Okay, today's daf is daf chaf, gitten 20, but we pick up on gitten yutat bet, about 15 lines before the lines get wide, Amr Shmuel, and we're in the middle of a discussion in the, based on the Mishnah, about different materials that a get can be written with, different types of inks, um, or pseudo inks, and different types of parchments, and so on. So we pick up with Amr Shmuel. Amr Shmuel, says Shmuel, chalak, if a man gave a woman a blank piece of paper, and said to her, this is your get, She's divorced. Why? It's a blank piece of paper. We're afraid that he wrote it in gall water, water in which gall nuts had been um, immersed that maybe made some type of a mark when it was originally written, but now they have disappeared. Now that's a pretty shocking idea. I mean, the whole thing is blank. Who cares even if he did write it in gall water? And why would he believe to make these types of claims? So there's a lot to investigate in terms of this claim by itself, but the Gemara's first going to just focus on it based on a source that seems to contradict it. Basically, I'll ask one this. A man gives a get to his wife. In a talasa, and she's so angry she takes it and she throws it into the ocean or, or to into fire or to anything that destroyed it um, and now there's no get to look at and then he claims no 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 that, I was kidding that wasn't really a get that was something else it was a document a star posim is something that says that like oh somebody owes me a million dollars even though they don't but I hold it carry it around to make myself look rich or I'm planning on, borrow, on lending uh, um, money to somebody and they agree to have the, the IOU written and in my possession even before I actually lent him the money. Bottom line is, I said that it was some other type of document. So the Mishnah says, I'm not believed. I'm not believed to make it forbidden once I gave her this document and said that and said it was a get, even though we can't look at it afterwards to try to truly identify it. So the Gemara says, okay, time the ikaksav. The reason, presumably, I mean, you know, the point is, I gave her a written document and then I claimed the writing was something else. So then it's, and I said it was a get. That makes sense that now I'm not believed. But the implication would be that if it were a blank document, right, then that's, um, that's you know, that's much more different than a good document with writing that now I'm changing my claim as to what it was. Hi, Lekiksav, if it was blank, low, presumably uh, we would not consider my wife to be, um, to be divorced, you know, if it was totally blank. Um, so the Gemara said, now, of course, it's um, a little bit different. In this case, I changed my claim as to what it was. You know, I say, no, 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 I was kidding. In the other case, I didn't say it was kidding. But nevertheless, the Gemara's point is, is that if you're trying to say that if it's not around to, to, to inspect, I'm not, you know, that I'm not believed to say that it's not a get. Once I said it was a get, then you should have said a much bigger chiddish, that even if there was no writing on it, um, that, you know, once I said it's a get, um, that, um, that, you know, that, that I'm not believed, that, 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 we, that, it, that we're stuck and we have to assume that, or, you know, we do believe it is a get. So since we did not give the case, it sounds like if there's no writing on it, that uh, we wouldn't believe the claim that it was a get. So the Gemara says like this, um, uh, no, 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 you're right, you're right. If the whole thing were blank now, then if there was no writing on it at all, you're right. Like the whole previous idea that, you know, it's not around to inspect it was when there was writing. If there's no writing, and then, then yes, we're not concerned it's a get. What we're talking about is, is that you, pa- you, you used some type of a, of, a, of a colored water to bring out the writing that had been on it. You know, sort of like those invisible inks and you pass it over a fire or something of that nature. Okay, so you use some other water to bring it out. So actually now you actually show that there was get written on it. It was just invisible. So, okay. If that's true, it's a, it's a, it completely, you know, changes the, how the radical nature of Shmuel's Chiddush, right? It's not like it's completely blank. It's actually, we now actually see that something was written on it. Of course, the question is, um, you know, 
uh, what was it looking like when it was given over? So let's take a look. Ipali um, Palit, if, if, if the original, uh, you know, sort of a writing, uh, now it comes out, then it comes out and we see it's a good get. And if not, not. So the Gemara says, So, okay, who cares if it comes out now? At the time it was given, it was totally blank. So who cares, right? Okay, Yashikoach, fine. You wrote it in invisible ink. That doesn't count. Everything we talked about in the Mishkan before is that it has to be visible, you know, in order to be counted as a good get. So who the heck cares right now, okay? So it's a little less radical because we know it was true that that's what happened, but still, why is it good? So Shmuel Nami Chayshin in Kamar, Shmuel also, when he said it's a problem, he means he means we're concerned. What are we concerned? We are concerned with, um, the Gemara doesn't sort of um, say, but what we're concerned of is, is that it did not yet, that it was visible at the moment it was given over, and you only looked at it a while later, and then there was nothing to see. Okay, and that sort of explains a bit before, you know, why, what, you know, what the case is. Tosa spells this out. If you had just given the get and said here, and everybody saw it was blank, we wouldn't have gotten started. You gave it, later you looked at it, later you saw it was blank, and the point is, are we concerned that maybe it was written in some type of disappearing ink that was visible at the time? And the Gemara's now claim, based on the bright is normally we wouldn't even be concerned about that even for a chayshinan. Certainly she's not definitely Mugureshes, but even for Suffolk Mugureshes, if there's nothing to see now and no evidence now, we wouldn't. The Breita most made us worry about when we saw some writing, but now there's no writing. And now the point is, but and if you, however, are able to, to do some type of a processing and show that there was right that, that that it was written in this disappearing ink, and you can show that now, then at least in that case, Shmuel is saying that, and we didn't look at it at the time it was handed over, then she suffered Magrashas because maybe it was visible at the time it was handed over. Okay, so that's that. Now the word says like this. Um, so um, said This is what Maremer said in the name of Rav Dimi. Um, or said to me that Maremer said in the name of Rav Dimi. Okay, if somebody has to get in front of witnesses, right, they have to read it, and as we'll see in a minute, before it's being handed over to make sure they know what is being handed over. Makes a lot of sense, especially if you say right? They should be able to have to read and see because it's their seeing that is sort of testifying to the content of the get. That makes an enormous amount of sense. All right? Maybe even if it you know, maybe you have to do it just so you don't get into troubles like we said before about being destroyed or disappearing ink. But anyway, certainly if it's a that makes an enormous amount of sense. Mace, I'll ask you on this. First wide line. Exactly the price we just quoted. This is your get and she takes it and throws it into the ocean. Or to the into fire, anything that destroys it. I was just kidding. Some other type of a document. Migurashas. She's divorced. And he's not believed now to say that he is forbidden, meaning forbidden to marry another man, that she's still married to him. Okay? So the point is, if the witnesses had read it, then you would not have to make, teach this whole thing. The fact that you have to teach this indicates that there was no independent verification as to what it said. The Gemara said, So if you say they have to read it, So after they read it, how could he claim that it was some different type of a document? Obviously, this whole bright assumes that nobody is reading it. Now, why the Gemara couldn't say it's Rebbe May? Or an not exactly clear, but okay. That's the question. So let's see what the Gemara says. 
No, they did read it, but after they read it, he put it back into his like jacket pocket and took it back out again. Okay, so in that case, and now he's claiming that actually it was a different, you know, that that he that he actually did a switcheroo. I mean, that's actually what he's even claiming, not just Chayshinon. Okay, he says, haha, when I actually put it back in my pocket, I took out a different document just to trick you and make your life miserable. Kamash Milan, that we're not concerned with that. Okay, so that is now what we have said that there's an obligation to read it, um, but um, there and um, and uh, but if they did, uh, uh, but it could be that even if they read it, you know, maybe he did a fast one on them, and this bright guy therefore has to say that he is not believed to say it. But if now, of course, the Chiddush of the Brisa is a lot less because the Chiddush of the Brisa is that the document was actually read beforehand. But nevertheless, and and that and that's why he's not believed. But nevertheless, there is a Chiddush because he stuck it in his pocket and took it back out, and he's not believed to say that he switched it on them. Now. Now, Tosus raises an important question about what would be Bidiyevit if the witnesses did not read it? Why didn't the Gemara say, just say, yes, the witnesses have to read it, but Bidiyevit, if they didn't, uh, the document is still good. And that's why it has to tell you this, this was a case where they didn't read it and it's still good and he can't claim, you know, without the whole putting it in his pocket and taking it back after. And the fact that the Gemara didn't say that, that it's only a Lechatchila requirement and this bright about claiming it was a different document is about a Bidiyevit case, it makes it sound that even Bidiyevit, um, um, there's a need for the witnesses um, to read, and if they don't, the, the get is not good. Um, so, but then the Gemara tells us goes a little bit back and forth about whether that's actually necess- a necessary conclusion from this discussion. Very, very important practical question about the witnesses. What happens if witnesses did or did not read the get? Um, you know, when it was handed over, is that really the evidence valid? Especially if you have witnesses that are signed on the get and so on. The last line of this Tosos is worth reading. Tosos says Tzriach Karye. Tosos says Vahaya Raga Rabbi the re would have it read before it was given over by the witnesses and after before because the Gemara makes it clear now that it's before especially and that makes sense because then at the moment of handing they know what they are seeing and after you know so because of also the case in our Gemara so there's no claim that he maybe switched it between the handing and between their reading it and then him handing it over okay so he would have a standard practice before and after um it's obvious that you know, even if you say the witnesses having read it is you know is necessary, but that if they read it at, not before but after, and they saw it in her hand, and she handed it back to them, and they read it, and they saw that it was a get, that that's good because then you know obviously you know that the right thing was given over. Now you could argue it's not pshit. I mean, on the one hand, it's pshit in terms of a proof that the right thing was given over. There's no concern that he swapped it by putting it, taking a different thing out of his pocket. On the other hand, you know, if the moment of the handing over makes it a get, and at that moment they are not hundred percent sure what they are seeing, um, you know, maybe that's not enough for Croesus. I mean, if it's Tokhte Dibur that they read it, you know, or combining what they saw afterwards to what they saw before, you know, there are questions about that in a lot of cases, like by the giving of the ring under the chuppah, if the witnesses didn't actually see the handing over, the, the placing on the finger, but they saw the ring on her finger, how much do you combine those things to say that they actually can fill in the gaps and say they saw, you know, you, you know, they saw something that they did not directly see. Anyway, that's a very important question about the witnesses reading it, um, and, um, and we're not, and if and um, and uh, even if they did read it, and there's a concern that he sw- that he maybe took something out out of his pocket, we're not concerned about that. However, if afterwards the document is blank, um, then um, we're not concerned it was written in an invisible ink. If we prove that it was written in invisible ink, um, then there's a chash megureshes about whether it might have been visible at the time when it was handed over. Okay, now the Gemara says like this. 
um, continuing in these types of cases. Who um, gavras? Four lines from the bottom. There's a man. Um, okay, he threw a, um, um, a get to his wife, and it landed, like it went within her four amos, we'll see about that later on, it didn't go directly to her hand, or it hit her hand, and then it fell out of her hand, and it rolled between the barrels, okay, and then they went to, you know, barrels of wine, casks of wine, and then they went to go ahead and retrieve it, and they couldn't find this document, but instead they found a mezuzah, so, and which is presumably roughly the same proportions of what he, you know, size of what he threw to her. Um, so then the one wonders exactly either how big their mezuzahs were or how small their gets were. But anyway, um, the question is, is this, do we assume this is what he threw her? Again, it's similar like, like when he claims the document was different than, when, than you know, than what it was. Um, that, you know, like he says, oh, it wasn't a real get and now you can't find it and it's been destroyed. So here you can't find any other document. Is it that it's buried somewhere deeper in these big piles of barrels, you're never going to, you're not going to take down the whole big stack of barrels, um, and we assume it was a get, or do we assume that he really just gave her this um, mezuzah? What's the story? Okay, so, um, and again, one has to wonder, wait a minute, didn't they read it beforehand? You know, what's the story, how, how does that fit with what we just said a minute ago? Maybe, again, he put it back in his pocket and threw something else out, and now all you can find is a mezuzah. Okay, so what's the story? Um, so, Amar Avnachman, mezuzah beni dani lo it's not common to have a mezuzah, you know, um, you know, in your wine cellar. What the heck did a mezuzah do, get, get, you know, being among the barrels? And you do know that a document this size was thrown. So you do have to assume, in this case, the evidence is that what he gave her was this mezuzah. When he claimed it was a get, maybe he took a mezuzah back out of his pocket, and therefore she is not divorced, okay? Um, but that's if you only find one mezuzah, then you have to assume it. If you find two or three mezuzahs there, and he only gave her one document, so since obviously some of those mezuzahs were there from before, we have to assume all of them were there from before, and that the document that he gave her actually was not a mezuzah, but was a get, and then you can assume she is Rugoreshes based on the discussion that we had before. Okay. Um, the fact that you can't find the get, okay, so whatever, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the rats uh, dra- dra- dragged it off somewhere, you know, the, those roll in places and they never get found, but that is not an issue, again, based on the point that we said before, that he says it's a get, you see there's writing on it, he gives it, hopefully it was read by the Aiden beforehand, and so on, so as long as um, there's an explanation for why this mezuzah is here, you can assume that he actually did get a get and it just cannot be found. Okay, who gathered all Now there was a man that went into a base Knesset. He took a sefer and he gave it to his wife. Um, and he said to his wife, "Here's your get." So Rav Yosef said, "Yeah, this is not a concern. Well, how could anybody be concerned that this actually constituted get? What do we be concerned about? Maybe we're concerned that he wrote. Now this is why we're talking about this. Now going back to the disappearing ink. Maybe he wrote it on this disappearing ink." Um, and this main melin, this gall water, and that's why, and it was a get, but now you can't see it. And again, maybe like before, it was visible, you know, he wrote it on the back side of the parchment and it was visible at the time when he handed it over and now we're looking at it and we don't see it. So maybe similar to like Shmuel's Chashina and before, again, you'll have to sort of figure out the whole thing about the fact that Adam are supposed to read it, etc. right? Uh, but anyway, okay, um, but 
bracketing all of that, okay, if you want to say that that should be the concern, but we said before that even if this gall water is good, it's only good on some types of, 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 of uh, you know, paper with, in which at least it would be visible for a temporary period of time. That was at least the case before, that we were afraid that it was visible and then it disappeared. But a safer Torah, the cloth is, is, um, is treated with this Meimilin, and therefore Meimilin is never visible on it to begin with. So therefore, if it were written in Meimilin, it never would have been visible, and that's not a concern. So there's no concern it was written in Meimilin. Imishum Krisus to Ispah, how about the fact that it says in the Sefer Torah itself, the cause of lust Sefer Krisus. Maybe the whole get- Sefer Torah counts as a Sefer Krisus. That's a pretty sad thought. Like the whole Sefer Torah is more sort of like the Ksuva, the, the document, the, the, you know, the, the bris between B'nai Yisrael and God. But here you're using this little parsha in the Sefer Torah to be the act that is the, the, the Kritut, the division. Anyway, Habi'ina, the cause of Lolishma. It has to be written for her sake, Veleka, and that's not happening. Okay? Now, um, it's an interesting question about whether the Lishma right, uh, is saying that it has to be specifically for this woman or it can't be for a different woman. Do we have this concept of Stama Lishma? Um, Tozas has a whole question that the Gemara in Sota discusses whether you can use the Parsha in the Sota, even if it has to be written Lishma. Maybe it can be, it's good enough that it's generic and you can use it for a, for a woman and to scrape into it. But of course, there's differences there. There, the scraping itself, you know, is part of the act of making it usable. Um, so maybe the demands of the Vikasav are less. Also, as Tosos points out, the, the lishma of the get is very much about the will of the husband, right? And the will of the husband is a, like a major part of the creation of the requirements of the get. So therefore, you cannot use a Sefer Torah, you know, that was written by some normal sofer um, to be, um, you know, to count as the lishma of a get. Um, okay, so um, even if it's sort of generic enough to be used by a sota, but that's not what a get is about. A get is an expression of the will of the husband. Ah, but maybe he did make it directed through his will. Maybe this guy paid the sofer, knew the sofer was getting to the end of a Sefer Torah, paid him to write this parsha about the get with having in mind his, his, the husband's wife, so that when he wanted to divorce his wife, it was his own Sefer Torah. He could give her the Sefer Torah. Okay, well, actually, it seems like it's the Sefer Torah actually of the Beit Knesset, so that's also another question of ownership. But whatever the case is, let's bracket the question of ownership for a moment. Okay, maybe the sofer wrote it was paid by the husband and wrote it with the intent of the husband and the husband's wife. But we have a teaching that if you change the names of the husband and the wife and of the cities, it's, it's invalid. Now, it should have just said, you need their names and the names of the city, but the, it's quoting a Mishnah that says when you change the names, it's invalid, indirectly as a way of proving that the names are required. At least according to Tosis discusses this, that's partly a question about you know, but at least if you, um, um, but yet, but, um, um, and exactly, you know, whether, whether the names of a get are really halakhically required or not is actually a debate of the Tanayim. But anyway, um, but the assumption here is very much that, yes, that the names are absolutely required according to halacha, and therefore there is no way that this can count as a get. So, therefore, all of this is quite obvious. So what is the Chiddush? So Rav Yosef said, oh, you know, uh, there's nothing to worry about here. It's all fine. Yeah, it's so obvious it's all fine that why didn't even Rev Yosef even have to say it to begin with? So the Gemara says, for Rev Yosef, Michael Mashlon, so what's Rev Yosef bothering to teach us? Shane may milin, agabe may milin. He teaches us exactly this that a Sefer Torah, because the cloth is uh, treated with this may milin, you do not have to be concerned about may milin written on it. It will never be visible, and therefore it is never concerned that it even was once visible. Okay. 
Since we're discussing the issue of lishma, this is going to be a big issue coming up by Gitin, and we're talking about also writing and you know and ways in which things are written. Let's say the get was written shalolishma; it had all the right names, but you weren't thinking in particular about this woman and this man. And then you wrote on top of it either the whole thing or at least the names. When you know you rewrote the word Sarah and Ruvain or whatever, you wrote on top of those names again, and this time, the second time around, you had in mind the particular person. Would that make it good? Um, is it considered a writing lishma? So he says that's a machlokas Rabbi Yehuda and the rabbis. The tiny return and brisa haresha yitzarech lichtavas Hashem and he's kaving lichtav Yehuda. So a sofer was writing a sefer Torah and he, it came up to God's name Yudkevavke and for some reason he got in his head that the word was Yehuda. Okay, and he wrote the word and he was thinking I'm writing the word Yehuda v'tav dalit and then he made a mistake based on what he was intending, and he just wrote Yud Vavke. So he had to write Yud Vavke as God's name. He wrote Yud Vavke. He wrote exactly what he needed to write, but he was intending not to write God's name, but to write Yehuda. So he did not write God's name with Shay. He did not do it, you know, with Kavana for, you know, for, for God's name, um, for Shem Hashem. So does that count? So he says, that's the Machlokas Rabbi Yehuda and the Rabbanan. Uh, uh, what's the Machlokas? Mavilav Kumus Makacho Di Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says, Right back on top of the Yud Kivavki, he can't erase it, right? Can't erase Shem Hashem. Although, interesting, whether it was written Shalalishma, can it be erased? But okay. Anyway, we're not going to do that. We're going to write on top of the Yud Kivavki, exactly right on top of it again, Yud Kivavki, and this time have Kavana for Shem Hashem, and that will make it a good Shem Hashem written Lishma. Okay, and no, that is not the proper way of writing God's name. Now, that could just seem that that's a lechatchila, but he seems to be interpreting this as bidiyevet. So we have this machlokas rabbiot of the chachamim, whether writing on top of something shalolishmo, writing on top of it again, lishmo, makes it kosher. Um, and therefore, he said, the same way they're debating that by Shem Hashem in a Sefer Torah, they would debate it by the lishma of, um, of a get. So the Gemara says, let's see how the Gemara responds. Amar of Achabar Yaakov, no, Dilmalohi, maybe it's not exactly that debate. When the rabbis say that it's not Mina Muvchar, that is because there is a particular value, or, or not value, demand in having Shem Hashem be done in the most proper, dignified way. Because it says, this is my God and I will glorify him. From there we learn out the idea of noi mitzvah, of adorning a mitzvah, but it's maybe even particularly so because it's Zekeli when it's God's name. So that's why maybe it's even B'dyevet. Okay, so when it's God's name, you have to be doing it in a properly dignified way. And it's not dignified to write God's name on top of another name that isn't God's name. You know, God's getting like a piggyback on this name that already exists. It's not that the whole words were created, you know, with a specifically intent of Hashem Hashem. Okay, that's why it's not good. But here maybe everybody would say it's good because there's not this demand. Now the interesting thing is, one minute, didn't we already discuss this earlier, right, about by the signatures of the witnesses and when you, when the witnesses sign over a writing that already has their names and does that count as if, as if they're signing their names? So how is this um, any different? So Tosu says, you know, here it sounds like it's at least good according to Abiyuda, might even be good according to everyone. And there the Gemara took it for, you know, sort of assumed that it, um, that it would uh, not be good. You know, and most of the Gemara suggested that if the original thing was written in some type of a, like, uh, you, know, you know, like light type of a, a, of a writing, you know, of an ink, and then on top of it was written like, a, 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 you know, a real ink, maybe that would count as a signature. Um, and, and it was inclined to say yes, but it hesitated. But certainly ink on top of ink would not. So how come here the Gemara is... is saying that according to the Rebbe Yehuda, yes, it may be yes, it would count. So Tosa says the difference is that in our case, the second writing, 
take something that, you know, that, like is missing something and really create something new. The first writing of the Get did not have Lulishma. So that name was not a valid name. You are replacing it, even though the letters are the same and physically it looks the same, you're replacing it with a writing that is actually, you know, one that is the right thing that has to get done here. And therefore, that could be considered a new writing because now you're doing it the right way and you're replacing it with something done the wrong way, even though they both look good. Whereas before, everything looked, was exactly correct um, and therefore it wasn't missing a component and therefore the second writing um, would not necessarily count, would not count. Um, that's what Tosa says. One could have argued maybe a little bit in the other direction, right, that before we were talking about signatures and, you know, and what good is a signature that is, um, you know, that is uh, not in my handwriting that somebody else wrote for me and I'm just sort of like uh, filling it in. So maybe in that case, even though, um, even when it was written in a light writing and then I write in a heavier one, the Gemara was not so ready to say that that counts as a good signature, right? Whereas here, so there, there the problem is, is that like, you know, um, um, uh, uh, or even just said another way, like over there you needed writing and, um, and um, the writing um, already existed, so you didn't add anything. Whereas here, Toza says because it didn't have lishma, it's like the previous thing maybe doesn't count at all. But maybe you could say it in a different way. Maybe you could say here, you know, the get was written properly. It was just lacking this little thing called lishma. And maybe this little thing called lishma doesn't need it to be that the whole writing was done lishma, that writing on top of writing with an intent of lishma like inserts lishma into the get, right? So there's a difference because before we were focused on the act of writing itself. Is it considered writing if it was already written? And the answer is if it was already written, it's not considered writing, it's not considered you signed your signature. Here, the problem isn't that it isn't written. Here the problem is that it isn't lishma. So maybe, you know, this writing on top of writing is enough to insert the lishma when lishma doesn't yet exist. Anyway, it's worth thinking why here the Gemara is much more willing to seriously consider that it should be good, and before it took it for granted that ink on top of ink was no good when it came to the signatures. Okay, Amar Vach Oh, we just did that. Okay. Amar Av Chizda, Yechilu Misin Lukula Giti I can theoretically make an argument why all Gittin in the world are puzzled. Like, thank you very much, we don't want to hear it. But anyway, he's obviously saying it theoretically. Okay, why is that? Um, uh, uh, I said Rav Maitaima. Because you'll sort of say like, look, you know, the Torah says the husband should write it, and we sort of were talking about that a little bit before, the husband would pay the sofer and so on. So, but if you think about it though, who's paying the fees of the sofer? The woman is paying the sofer fees. That's the way Chazal set it up, as we'll find out later. So you could sort of argue on the basis of that, it's not like he's writing it, it's like he's the one that's writing it. So the verse, so, so Rav says, um, that doesn't prove anything, okay? Maybe even though the woman pays the fees, the rabbi assign it the fees like it becomes to the husband and it's like it's the husband's money paying the sofer in order to deal with the problem that it shouldn't be that the woman, the sofer is being seen as working for the woman. Okay, but actually, but at least you understand, okay, that if the woman is paying his fees, you understand his point that that does raise a technical question of how do we satisfy this basic aspect that the husband, the sofer is supposed to be an extension of the husband. Um, the Ella Mishum Dixi Venosa, the Hacha Lo Yaiv Labidi. 
Ah, so maybe the point is like this. It says he should give it to her, and, off, and maybe that means it has to be something of value, and often the actual piece of parchment itself is not even worth a pruta. Now, that's pretty funny, because paper parchment was, always, was pretty expensive. But anyway, but maybe because it's not an object of value, especially if the Mishnah says, you know, you can write it on a leaf, for example, so maybe that's the problem. Of course, that, not all Gittin were written on leaves, but okay. Maybe your point is, is that why not, that, you know, you could raise a challenge that the thing has to be an object of value, and it isn't. So he says that's not a problem. So Dilma Nisina Sketchy, when the Torah says give, it doesn't mean give in the sense of like of like a, like a, something acquiring something of value. It means the physical handing of the object. They sent from there from Eretz Yisrael. Forget is written even on something that you cannot derive benefit from, like uh, you know some type of a uh, I don't know some type of an object of a vodazara or something, um, you know, uh, or a piece of basar b'cholam if you manage to do that. Anyway, um, you know that. It is still going to be kosher. There does not, and even though something that's Yisuri Hana has zero halachic value, and there's a whole debate whether you can even be considered to be owning Yisuri Hana, nevertheless, it's still kosher. Now, obviously, that's even more radical, right? Because it's one thing to say that it's not, uh, it's not worth like a penny or a minimum amount, but there's still a concept of ownership. It's even more radical to say even something that maybe is not even considered yours, something that's out, outside of the realm of ownership because it's Asr Behana, which is a whole debate in the post game, how do we think about Yisri Hana? Nevertheless, the, even that doesn't matter because a get isn't about transferring ownership, it's about the physical handing of the object. And that is a very important question by Gittin. What considers the object has been transferred? How much do we learn from the world of normal acquisition and transferring of objects and ownership and kinyanim and so on? And is it about an act of giving and receiving or is it actually about taking legal monetary possession? So that's what being read, raised right now. Okay, so now let's take a look. Gufa, so now we're going to dive into that. Shalchamitam, they sent from Eretz Yisrael. If you wrote a get on something forbidden in benefit, it's kosher. That's a pretty big jump from the cases of our Mishnah on a leaf and so on. Okay. Um, so he's going to say, well, we sort of have that idea already in the Mishnah. That it says that it's kosher, but it's written on a leaf, even if it has no value. So the Mishnah says, no. That's different. Because you can put a lot of leaves together and there's value, even though one leaf is, is valueless. It's not literally valueless. It's maybe worth point oh 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 one cent, but it is not some. It does have some minimal value. It isn't, and therefore, it's an object of value. It's in the world of, of ownership, of transferring of ownership, and so on. Something of Yisurei Hana, you know, you're not allowed to derive benefit. It could be considered having zero, literally zero value. It's possible. It's not even considered something that can be owned. So it's que- clearly a whole different level. Okay, Tanya, we taught a Brayta. Rebbe Yomer, Shavuot Yisrei Hanakasha. Nafik Levi Darsha. So Rebbe taught this in a Brayta, or Brayta says that Rebbe taught this. Nafik Levi Darsha Mishmei the Rebbe. Levi went out and started announcing to people, "Hey, Rebbe has this teaching that even on Yisrei Hanot Kasher, the low Suha, and people were not praising the teaching. Darsh Mishmei the Rabbi. Then he started teaching it in the name of, oh, you know, the Rabbis say the Kasuha, and it was praised. You see, we rule like that. Now the question is, who are we inferring? This, the fact that this is the halacha, from the actions of Levi or the actions of the receiver, you know, of, of the audience. Rashi says it's from the actions of Levi. Levi was not happy that people were not, uh, were not approving of it because they thought it was a opinion of just one rabbi. So he went out of his way to say to everybody this was the consensus opinion so that they would be more accepting and approving of it. And that shows that that really was at least the psaq of Levi. And somehow because that's how Levi felt the psaq should be, then the Gemara is assuming that's the psaq. Okay, that sort of is consistent with the idea that the Gemara says it's 
sometimes Rebbe, who we're talking about now, Rebbe would uh, you know write an opinion in the Mishnah in the in the name of the rabbis in plural um, in order that it would be accepted as psak. Um, so you're seeing that his student Levi sort of uh, learned from him. Anyway, Toza says no. The point is we're not learning it from what Levi's actions were. We're learning it from the masses. That the, when the masses were you know the reason people were not praising it was not that they disagreed with the ruling. They were upset that he was teaching it as a das yachid. And then when he started and shifted and said, no, 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 I'm teaching this as that this is the accepted halacha, then they were, oh, okay, now we can get behind that. Yeah, because we like this teaching. We just didn't like the fact that you were teaching it as a das yachid. Okay, that shows that that's the, that, that the halacha. That's coming from the masses more than from Levi. The masses, I guess, maybe the masses about the students in the base medrash, at least. Okay. A ton of we taught. The kasaf, the lo chakak. You should write again, means you should not um, um, engrave it. Okay, so is this saying that engraving is not writing? Now, engraving has a couple. You know, it's different than writing in a few ways. It's uh, it's not with ink. It's not like it's not you know adding some type of a uh, of a physical substance on top of a surface. It's actually carving stuff away. Um, you know, the whole act is different. Obviously, it's by it's like cutting. A, I mean, both there's physically not a substance like ink, and also the act is not applying, the act is like just, you know, carving. So anyway, let's see what the Gemara is bothered with about the Chakika. Um, if a slave was going out with a, meaning a, a writ of manumission, a star shikhra, that was written on top of a type of a, um, uh, on type of a type of like a, um, of a tablet, upinkas, um, um, or, you know, two different words for like, a, you know, a tablet, a, um, a plate or a tablet, something on which writing was often could be written on like uh, these things would be maybe like wood covered with wax and then could be written and then you know erased and used multiple times. Anyway, yatzalacheres. Now these are things that were written through. If you think of let's say about a wax or something in a stylus, right? These are something that were written through a type of a chakika, engraving into a type of a surface. Um, but not with writing on some type of a hat or embroidered garment. Now what does that mean? So Rashi seems to mean it means that you would like soak cut out letters on top. So in that type of a case, you know, it's, Rashi says, it's, well, you know, you could say that you are just applying a pre-cut letter. You're not actually putting the letter, you know, making the letter on top of the garment. The letter has been made separately and you're attaching it to the garment. Um, Rashi indicates also the fact that it's not really there to stay. You can just, like, cut it away. The connection of the letter to the surface is not a tight connection, you know, as opposed, I mean, something could be erased, but that, but that's, but you're not, when you erase something in, 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 a, in pencil, you're not, rem, you're not separating the letter from the document, you know, either the letter is on it and you just destroy the letter, whereas here the two things really are just, are like, you know, like incidentally connected. Um, it's not really, con, it's, so it's not really integrated into the document. That's what Rashi says. You could also imagine that we're talking not about sewing on a cutout letter, but a, um, but like, uh, actual like, um, you know, sewing a letter, embroidering a letter, and then it would be a different issue, right? Then it would sort of be a problem about that there would not really be a surface. There would just sort of be a a letter, you know, without sort of like the, uh, on top of a surface. But anyway, Rashi, um, that maybe gets us a little bit closer to the idea of Chakika. Anyway, Rashi understands that the problem here is cut out letters that are being sewn on top. That's not, but something that is being carved into a tablet that actually is okay. Um, so how could you say that carving is not good? So Amar Ula says, Ula, Amar Rebbe Elezer, look, tochos, yurechos. It depends how you're doing the carving. Are you carving the toch, the, the like the airspace, 
or are you carving the legs? So are you basically making it, you know, um, if you think about it, are you, are you sort of, are you, is your pen tracing the form of the letters, your uh, stylus? So, you know, if you're writing a tough, your line is going up and to the side and then down and then to the side or whatever. So that's Yerechot. That's you're actually doing the, yeah, you're actually doing the actual legs themselves. So there, your act of writing is directly forming the letters. So yes, it's true, you're not using ink, okay? And you're not putting something on the surface, but, you're, but your stylus is tracing out the shape of the letters themselves. Um, that's chak yurechos at work. Chak tochos is that you are removing the stuff around the letters. You know, you're removing the big rectangular thing on the inside of the tough. You're, um, you're, you're removing it, and then you're left with a tough. That actually makes something... The difference is, one is that it's engraved, and the other is, is that it, it's, it, it's, it's raised above, right? When you're doing the, the, the actual tracing the form of the letter... You're cutting, you're cutting the form of the letter out, so you are, you are engraving it. When you are removing the stuff around it, then you are leaving the letter to be raised. And that's called chak tochot, the stuff that's in it and around it, not the thing itself. So the problem is, you're right, you don't need ink. That's a big shocker, okay? You, but, um, and it doesn't have to be ink on a surface. And, um, but, you know, it does have to be something that is, the act of writing has to be the, tr- the, the, the form, the filling, you know, tracing the form of the letter itself. Okay, Go, and, that's, and that depends if you're doing it engraving or cutting the stuff around it. By the way, this is also an issue by a Sefer Torah. If you have a psul in a Sefer Torah, if part of the problem of the letter is that it's connected to another letter and you fix it by removing the point of connection, right? Or let's say, I don't know, you dropped, a, a drop of ink went into the middle of your chet and now your chet just looks like a big, blo- a little, a big rectangle and you fixed it by scraping away the ink in the inside. That would be chak tochos and invalid because you did not do an act of writing of the chet. The chet became into existence by removing what's in the middle. Okay, so that's the difference between chak tochos and chak yurechos. So the Gemara says, tochos lo. Now the Gemara is saying, one minute, are you saying removing the stuff on the, in, uh, you know, on the, on the, in the cavity is not good? Vraminu, I'll ask you, lo hai ksavo shokea ela bolet, kidin rezav. The tzit, where it said, kodesh lahashem, it was not uh, engraved to kodesh lahashem. The letters were protruding, like a like a gold dinar, right? If you look at your you know your you know your 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 um, your um, uh, minted money, the uh, the th- the stuff is bolate. It's it's protrudes the um, you know the the the, the pictures and the le- letters. It's not engraved, and that's the way it was on the tzitz. Now by the tzitz, it says that you should write a lot, the kasavalav, right? So how are you writing? You just told me right now that writing has to be by engraving, not by making it protrude. That's considered just removing the. Stuff Stuff around it. Vadinizav tochosein, but zinizav is a case of chak tochos. That you, you know, when you mint a coin, basically you the mint pushes down the um, um, you know the um, uh, 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 the 
the metal all around and the um, and the stuff that's that, that's raised up it remains raised. You know, it's like what they sort of what, what, like what uh, 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 Michelangelo said, right? I just chopped away everything that wasn't David. So how he, how he made the statue of, the, of of King David. So you know, so when you're minting a coin. Um, basically by pushing down all the stuff around the letters and the images it wants to be raised, that, the letter, that stuff remains raised and everything else gets pushed down. So that's a chaktochos. You're working on the space around it. And how come that's considered, and if that's how a coin is made and that's how the tzitz is made, you said that's not considered ksiva. So the Gemara says... Um, like the Inrezav, but not exactly the same. Like them to bolate, that the actual form was protruding, not engraved. But not exactly like it. There, the way a dinar is made is by pushing the stuff around it down so that that's left raised. Whatever. But by the tzitz, they would actually make it by by engraving the actual letters themselves. Now, how could you do that? We just said that that would make it engraved and not protruding. So the point is, you would do it, as Rashi says, from the other side. You would engrave on the other on the back side, and that would make it protrude. So when you want something protruding, you can do it two ways. You can either, you know, engrave from the rear, um, or you can actually push down from the front. So if you're pushing, engraving from the rear, it's a writing because you're working on the letters themselves. And if you're pushing down from the front, it's not a writing because you're working on the space around it. Now, it is interesting, of course, because if you're doing it from the rear, you're also doing it backwards. Um, but that somehow is not seen as a problem. You know, I mean, why not? You could, if you're, even if you're writing normal stuff in ink and you wrote the letter tough and you, you know, do you have to, is there an order which you have to fill it out? Like you have to start from the right and move to the left or can you start from the left and move to the right when you're writing it? But either way there, at least when you're, whether you're starting from the right or the left, when you're writing a letter, you still are addressing the shape of the letter as it's normally read. When you're working from the back, you're sort of relating to it as the letter in reverse. So there definitely is a chiddush, but the Gemara feels that that is better to be doing the chok yerechos, to directly be working on the letter and engraving the actual form of the letter, even from the behind. That's more of an act of ksiva than to be pushing down the space around it from the front then you are actually not working on the letter itself. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. One more question, which is essentially the same issue. Um, uh, uh, okay, Amalei Ravina Ravashi. Ravina said to Ravashi, Rushma Michas Harit O Kinufe Michnitz. He exactly wanted to make that when you make a actual, like when you use a, uh, a, a press to make a metal coin, what does it do? Does it just really push down the um, the you know the material around it, um, and that would not be considered an act of writing, as we said. So that's Michal's heart. It's like, does it like you know dig out, you know, like carve out the space around it, or does it press it in? Right, because what it would look like is is that the actual mold would have in would have indents where you wanted the the stuff to be protruding. So do we visualize it as if? The stuff that's not indented is pushing down the area around it, and that's a case of tochos and not good, and the rest just stays where it was. Or do we view it as though no, the 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 um you know the indents in the mold, the the flat part of the mold is pushing the rest of the coin into the indents and and raising up 
the part that's going to be protruding, and therefore it's considered like you're working on the letters themselves. Or does it push down the stuff around, or does it push in the stuff that's actually going to be protruding? It pushes down the stuff around. That's how we conceptualize it, and that's consistent with what we've been saying until now. So so we're gonna, it's basically the exact same thing we just said. That the tzitz was not engraved, it was protruding like golden dinare. But if the use of a mold is considered to just push the space around it, so it has to be written, it has to be a writing, and this isn't a writing because this is a, you, you know, put the, you worked on the space around it, not on the letters themselves. So the Mar's answer is like it said before. Like not exactly. It's like it that it was protruding. But not like him. There it was from the front, and here, as we said before, it was from the back. The engraving was from the back that caused it to be protruding. So what we have concluded here is is that a get does not have to be written in ink with a type of a um, you know a type of a marking um, type of a liquid on top of a surface. Um, it, uh, it can be actually carved out without um, any actual, you know, so it's all, like, it's all uh, not, vi- you know, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's the physical uh, indent that makes the letters, not some type of additional um, ink or ink-like substance. Um, but you have to work on the letters themselves and not on the space around it. Um, and that's the difference between tochos and yurechos. Um, and sewing on letters is not good because those don't really integrate with the background that they're on. What about embroidering letters? Um, that's a little bit unclear whether that would more be like a type of an engraving or whether that would more be like the sewing on letters in terms of a need of a type of a relationship uh, with the background that surrounds them. Okay, we will end here for now.